Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Friday, August the 21st. Uh, Wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, however this comes to you, I wish you my love. I wish you God's grace, God's goodness. Thanks for being present here with and, and opening God's Word together, because really, that's what this is all about. For those who are new to this podcast today, welcome to it. My name is Joe Zink. I am a lay Catholic minister in the Diocese of Green Bay, and every Monday through Friday, I break open God's Word, uh, and, and I proclaim that Word. Generally, it's the Gospel. Not always, but almost always it is, and I uh, help help open it up to, to make sense, at least in my life, hopefully in yours as well, uh, and, uh, and generally take maybe 15 or 20 minutes to do that. Uh, and then we pray a decade of the rosary at the end. So you are welcome to join us. I'm grateful that you are with us today. And, uh, and without further ado, let's kind of dive in to what the Word of God has for us today. By the way, today is a feast day. We celebrate the Feast of St. Bernard, of Clairvaux, and we are going to uh, talk a little bit about Bernard at the end as well today and what uh, that looks like, what his life looked like, and, and maybe what that can challenge us to look like as well, okay? So today, uh, we continue through Matthew's Gospel. You know, yesterday, well, the last two days, we had a couple of wonderful parables. Uh, Jesus talked about two days ago, that parable of uh, the landowner, right? and uh, invited people out to work his field at 6 in the morning and at 9 and at noon and at 3 and at 5. And uh, yesterday's parable uh, of uh, going out, uh, the, the king who wanted a, a banquet, a feast for his bridegroom's son, and going out to the highways and the byways and bringing everyone in so that that feast may be full. Such good parables. Well, today, uh, we continue through Matthew chapter 22, but we've missed a couple of things in between. We'll get to those, what those are. But it's a wonderful reading, one you will have heard many times. So when we, we hear readings like this today that are so powerful that we know by, you know, like the back of our hand, invite you to hear it today as if for the first time, okay? Matthew chapter 22 verses 34 to 40. Let's let's break open God's Word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, brothers and sisters, this is one of those Gospels where we really, it is good news. I mean, I don't want to say that not all of it is. I mean, it really is good news, all of, all of the Gospel, of course. But this is one that it's easy to see. 
because it is freeing. What do I mean when I say that? Well, let's take a look at the context. So here right away, that when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, one of them, and they wanted to test him. Okay, so the whole group of Pharisees gets together. They say, oh, man, he just nailed the Sadducees. Let's us test him now. Which one of us wants to go forward? Okay, a scholar of the law, you go forward. And he's, of course, going to ask him a question on the law. So what happened in the meantime between yesterday's parable of the, the feast, right, and today? Well, interestingly enough, both the Pharisees and the Sadducees tested Jesus. The Pharisees, by giving him a coin, remember that story? And they say, hey, should we pay taxes or not? And he says, whose inscription's on there? And it was, you know, uh, Caesar's. And he says that wonderful line that we all know, um, render under Caesar. And then after that didn't work with the Pharisees, they were kind of bruised and battered, so they kind of went to the background and the Sadducees stepped up. Well, the Sadducees and Pharisees are the two main parties in the ruling party, which is called the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. The Sanhedrin rules, they're the religious rulers of Jerusalem. Now, that's different than Pontius Pilate, it's different than King Herod. Those were the political rulers. But the religious rulers was the Sanhedrin, that was the body, the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin is called both ways. And the main two parties of it were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Also had the elders, and you also had the scribes as part of that. But the main two were the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, the Pharisees believed in resurrection. The Sadducees did not. So the Sadducees step forward to Jesus and test him by uh, talking about the resurrection and, and doing that story. If you remember, hey, there was a guy who had, you know, seven brothers, and uh, he got married and died, and then the next brother had to step up and, and married the gal, and he died too, and, and all of them did. And in the resurrection, who's the, the husband of this gal? So they're trying to make fun of him in this idea. Well, you know, Jesus got them too. And so that's the context is he's being tested. He's being tested by this relig these religious leaders. So the Pharisees, having been battered with the coin, now come back and a scholar of the law comes forward. So Jesus is being tested as, as uh, somebody who they're trying to, they're really trying to make him look foolish and, uh, and help people see He's not all he's cracked up to be. So the scholar of the law, somebody who knows the law, comes forward and says, okay, teacher, which is the greatest uh, in the law, which is the greatest commandment? Now, we may think there's only 10 commandments. He's saying, which of those 10 is the greatest? That's not what he's saying. In, in the time period uh, of the day, there were 613 commandments. Now, granted, it did start with the 10 but then what the Jewish people did was they took those 10 and they, and they uh, developed them into a system of living. All these commandments. You know, we say as Americans we are free, and we are. But we have more laws within our American system than, I, I, I want to say, certainly more than in Russia, which we think, oh, of course, they're, they're not free there. And so there's got to be more laws there. And there's actually more within our system within that freedom that carries great responsibility that we set up laws then that, okay, we've got to have laws here that we don't step on another person's freedom or on another person's over here. Uh, and so it, it makes sense that there's so many laws there. Well, that's what the Jewish people were doing. 
But what happens on the flip side of that, brothers and sisters, is all those laws can bind people. And they don't know, you know, that, that if each law is equal in measure and equal in importance, how can I follow all of them? And how can I be a good uh, uh, Jewish person of the day and, and all these 613 laws bind me and I don't know which way to go? And so in a sense, this is a very real question that's being asked of Jesus. Which is the greatest one? Now, the scholar of the law, he knows all those 613 by heart. And he knows, I'm sure he has, a, has a, an idea of, of the answer to this question. And Jesus goes, not necessarily to the Ten Commandments, although he kind of does the first commandment, but he goes to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he goes to what is called the Shema. If you've ever seen on the door lintels of uh, Jewish people when they come out, they may kiss their hand and place it on the side of their door. Uh, that's because on the side of their door is something called the Shema, S-H-E-M-A. You can Google that. But it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength. And so Jesus takes that commandment, that thing that, that in Deuteronomy it says, place it on the tassels uh, of your robes and, and on the lintels of your doors, that everywhere in your comings and goings, this may be the foundation of who you are. Hear, O God, hear, O Israel, excuse me, the Lord our God, the Lord, he is Lord alone. There is no other God beside him. So that's why I say it's kind of like the first commandment in Exodus, but it's really, it's just foundational. You know what? There is no other God beside this God. But then, he, he doesn't stop at that. The commandment, the, the scholar of the law said, what is the greatest commandment? He's, he's looking just for the one. But Jesus gives him two, and he says, this is the greatest in the first, the Shema that he just gave. And he said, the second is like it, which is incredible that he's equating love of God, this thing that should guide our comings and goings, the foundation of who we are. Here is the Lord of God, the Lord is Lord alone. There is no other God beside him, and we shall love this Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's it. That's the one. But he's saying the second one is almost equal to it. It's like it. And he takes this one out of Leviticus. That's a different book in the law. And, uh, and it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's taking two laws, brothers and sisters, both from what we call the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five books of Scripture. We would call those the law. That's Genesis, Exodus. Uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those five books. He takes one from Deuteronomy, one from Leviticus. And he says, and this last line is key, the whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. In other words, he's saying not only to the scholar of the law, but he's saying to everybody who's listening, you know all those 613 commandments that sometimes bind you so much that you don't know which way you should go and which way you should turn? Do I, do I, you know... How do I even breathe without breaking one of these commandments? He's saying, these are the two you listen to. Love the Lord your God with everything that you have. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
So in a sense, you know, I said he's taken these from two different books. It's almost like I were to say to you, hey, have you read uh, the book Les Miserables? What, were your fa- what was your favorite part? And you say, oh, Joe, the, the, my favorite part was, was when um, Javert let, uh, let Jean Valjean go when he came out of the sewers and they encountered each other. And, and Javert stepped aside. But you know what? I also love the part when, when uh, Javert and, and Jean Valjean encountered each other at the barricade. You know, you're giving me two different, they're totally different books. You know, from, they're in the same book, but they're totally different episodes within the book. But they both kind of point to the same thing, this encounter between the two and how love acted and what it looked like within that. That's, that's what Jesus is doing. He's taking them from completely different books, but he's saying, but this is what love looks like. This is what love feels like. This is what it acts like. Okay, I've talked an awful long time just about setting it, setting it up. What does that mean to you and I today? What does that mean, brothers and sisters? I don't know that I can do and say anything that will give more girth to, to what Jesus just said in, in Scripture. Brothers and sisters, it's all about love. Do you remember last week when we had that wonderful scripture that, uh, that Peter says, listen, Lord, how many times must I forgive somebody? Seven times? As many as that? And Jesus says, not seven, but 70 times, seven times, or 77 times, depending on our, on our translation. Either way, Peter's saying, Lord, when can I stop? When, when, it, when is forgiveness enough? And, and I no longer have to do that. And Jesus is saying it's never enough. And, and that's, that's exactly what Jesus is saying to us today. Is he saying, listen, love is not something that God does. I, I've used that phrase before. Love is who God is. And if you and I are going to be followers of love, first and foremost, we have to be in love with God. We have to be in that flow. That's the flow I've talked to the last, you know, two days. You know, it, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. uses that term. Uh, the arc of the universe is long and it bends towards justice. Because that's justice is what love looks like, right? In the political sphere, in, in, in the real world, justice is what love looks like. He's effectively saying the arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward love. It bends towards justice. It bends towards dignity and, and equality. It bends toward goodness. It bends toward life. Why? Because that's the flow. Because that's what God is. And all of the universe will bend toward who God is. And that's why Jesus is able to take these 613 and say, the arc of the universe is long. These 613 uh, commandments, they are long, but it bends toward love. And first and foremost, it bends toward love of God because that is the foundation of everything we are and the foundation of our life. It is the foundation of everything that flows through us. It is our comings and our goings. The Jewish people were 100% correct in that. But I love how he equates Leviticus with it because he equates love of, of neighbor and love of self in that same place because it is love. You know, Paul in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 13, has that wonderful, I'm going to read it to you, has that wonderful uh, statement. So I'm going to read Romans 13, 8 through 10. Now this is Paul. This is New Testament now. 
owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Hence, love is the fulfillment of the law. Brothers and sisters, Paul is saying it correctly. Whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this statement. Jesus is taking all 613. It's why you can say the whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments because they are a foundation. Everything else, it's, it's, it's you know, jots and tittles of these two laws. Don't get caught up. Don't get bound. Don't get, you know, tied up in these things that you can't move in because there's 611 other commandments. You don't know which way to go. Just rest on these. It's all about love. That's what Paul is saying. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And here's the last thing I'll say, because I think it's important. Brothers and sisters, love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus told us, what Paul reflected on in Romans 13. I think it's easy, and I've said this before, but I think it's real. I think it's easy for us to hear Boy, we gotta love our neighbor. Okay, we gotta gotta love God, that's first and foremost. Love our neighbor, that's second. Love ourselves, that's third. I don't think that's true. I don't I don't think it is. I think it's love of God first. I, I think because it reminds us who we are. It reminds us whose we are. It reminds us of the very essence of our foundation. But then I think next comes love of self. Not because we're more important than anybody else. That's not at all. But it's because I don't think, brothers and sisters, you and I can love another without first loving ourselves. And when I mean that, I mean this. I think it, it not only means taking moments of silence and just spending that, silent, that time of silence in prayer, openness to God, and allowing him to remind us who we are. But I think it also means, you know that voice that you have in your head? because I know the one in mine, the one that carries all those faults and failings, not only of yesterday or this morning, but of last year and 10 years ago and, and 20. And, and that makes up this shame that I carry with me or this self-concept of who I am that says, Joe, they may not know you, but you know you. And, and if only they knew you, they wouldn't love you like they do. And, and, and I can't love me because I, can't, I see, when I see myself, I see these failings. All those things, brothers and sisters, that voice in our head that says you can't do it because A, B, C, and D, because you failed before, or you can't do it because I know who you really are, and all these things you think in your head that other people don't know, all those things, brothers and sisters, we need to know our God doesn't look at those. When he sees us, he sees himself. And he chooses to love us in the midst of all those. And he says to us, set those things down. Because brothers and sisters, the more we see ourselves through that lens of all those failings and all those faults, the more I'm only going to love people out of a need for them to love me in order for them to tell me that I'm okay because I tell myself I'm not okay because of all these faults and failings or because I'll see other people through that critical lens 
that this critical voice in my head sees. And then I'll, I'll not love them, but I'll tear them down because of that. Or I'll use them for what they can get me. First and foremost, brothers and sisters, I invite you today to love yourself by putting aside that critical voice and instead hearing the voice of God that Jesus heard at his baptism, that Jesus heard again on the Mount of Transfiguration that said, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Because that is God's voice to you and I today. Brothers and sisters, he does not invite us to continue to see ourselves in this in this wretched, in this way that carries this pack, this burden, this these chains that that keep us bound. Instead he frees us today. He says, You want to know what the commandments are? They're about love. First and foremost, let's love our God. But secondarily, let's love our neighbor only to the extent that we can love ourselves. And he's saying, I want you. I want you to love yourself today because you are lovable, because you are mine. Please, brothers and sisters, don't believe me because I'm saying it. Believe it because our God is saying it. And I know it's true. And today, at some point, I want you to do this. I want you to say, What is one thing I can put down today that I've been carrying with me all day, all week, all month, all year? What is one thing I can put down today that I don't need because God's inviting me to put it down? And do not pick it back up today or tomorrow or the next. Let it go and love yourself by doing it. And in so doing, open yourself to that voice of God to really love yourself as God loves you. Look in a sense, step outside yourself and look at you as our God does and, and, and be loved with his eyes because only then, brothers and sisters, can we love those others in our life well. And they deserve that love too because then you know what happens? You and I become the eyes and the voice and, and, and the heart of our compassionate God in loving them and in reminding them to put that same critical voice down, that they are more than their failings because you are too, and I am too. That's what our God reminds us. Brothers and sisters, I talked that it is a feast day, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and the truth is I've gone on so long, I'm not going to take time to talk about him, but go online and learn about him. He was an incredible man in the 12th century and, and deserves far more than I'm giving him uh, time for today. But, uh, but he was a man who didn't allow the times of his day and the failings of his day to get him down. Instead, what he did was a person who was able to um, uh, reform an order of Benedictines. He saw what was wrong with it. Instead of just leaving it, he helped reform it and make it new. He reformed the papacy when it was falling down and in actually different places when they had two and then three different popes, and he helped reform it. He was the one who made the call as to who was the pope. He changed history in the 12th century by not being overcome with the failings of the day. May you and I not be overcome by the failings of our day, and there are plenty in this time, but help us to be that reforming action 
of God as Bernard of Clairvaux was 800 years ago. Let's pray. And as we conclude uh, this uh, week, let's just bring whatever's going on in our hearts and our minds and uh, place them at the loving feet of our Savior. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The fifth sorrowful mystery, Jesus dies on the cross. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. Bernard, pray for us. My friends, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for being with me. I know this is a long one today. God's blessings to you. Have the best of weekends. And I look forward to us breaking open more of God's word on Monday. God's peace.